Hi guys, I'm Barb and welcome to Creators Campfire, a podcast where I interview all sorts of creative people, so entrepreneurs, content creators, side hustlers and aspiring talent, and I find out more about what they do, why they do it and how they do it. Before we get into today's show, I just want to say thanks so much for joining me for this episode. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date with the latest episodes. You can also follow at Just Barbs on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook to hear about guests in advance and stay up to date with guest news. On this week's episode, I caught up with Charlotte Crowther, who is an online course scaler and the founder of My Snapshot. Charlotte has a vast amount of experience with self-development and self-coaching, and we talked about the importance of self-measurement, learning, personal development, business, and Charlotte's journey to date. I also had a mini midlife crisis halfway through the episode, so apologies if you listen through that. You can follow Charlotte on Twitter at Charlotte Crowther and links will be in the show notes. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Anyway, Charlotte, for for those that don't know you, um, do you want to just introduce yourself, talk about what you're up to right now uh, and what you're doing? Yeah, sure. So um, I've recently been working um, very closely with Forty Labs in, in their special projects team. And I helped lead the program, The Art of Accomplishment, with Tiago Forte and Joe Hudson. Um, and now I bring that experience to other online, other online course businesses. So I'm working with Ali Abdal with his up-and-coming YouTube channel, for example. Yes, that's um, very good. Um, and I'm sure we'll get right into it. But I just, from my experience of working in different sectors and, and learning and coaching, I really see like the online course experience as an ultimate learning experience. And so it's such a great international feel um, and really have lots of memories from the art of accomplishment that, that I'm kind of bringing forward in my work today with different online course creators. Um, and another um, project that I'm working on that's also come out of experiences is a tool called My Snapshot. Um, which really helps students learn and coach themselves in whatever it is they're learning. And it helps the, the teacher, the team, really have a sense of where their students are at, put them in the best place for success, um, and really develop their sales and marketing growth as a business so everyone really win-wins. Yes. Okay. Actually, you've just raised a good point that I hadn't really thought of until now is um, – Obviously, with the whole COVID situation, um, online courses have obviously already existed and, and there's always been courses that you can go and do. But I think a lot of people didn't necessarily think of them as the best way. It's like, oh, maybe this is an alternative approach or this is a way to do things. But I guess with COVID, that's massively changed. Has that changed for you or is that something you've always known that there was power in and it was potentially always a better route? And how has that had an impact? Yeah, totally. So that's the thing with technology, isn't it? Or anything new. Um, it's only if like push comes to shove that you necessarily explore that or there's some kind of like niggling pain point in some way. Um, and it's, you know, I have a lot of friends who have started online courses for their business, for their coaching practice, uh, for a particular topic that they're interested in. Um, one, it's a great way of just really mastering what it is that you do. Uh, whether that's for yourself or as part of your business or as a hobby. Uh, but two, it's just a really great way of, of earning income in a way that that's really scalable. Um, and for students, so for example, with Journey Art of Accomplishment, and then he works with a very exclusive set of people, um, so CEOs of different businesses around the world. He also has a group of other people that he works with in different workshops for various lengths. But you can only go if you live 
in San Francisco, kind of in that area, or you're willing to travel, book a hotel and all of that. So suddenly for 50 people, for example, in AOA, so you've got people from India, from Norway, from different parts of the States, uh, Europe, uh, dining in and being able to kind of work with him, but also have a really like diverse mix of people that aren't in your immediate vicinity. So that's that's the sort of thing that's really coming out of online courses, that, that community aspect, the fact that you can find particular niche that you love and find your tribe and really build relationships there and and to your point with the whole covid situation right now more than ever people are open to that and what that can bring um and i certainly have lots of new friendships that i just feel so grateful for and in a context to, to meet each other and share and learn together yeah no that's really cool and actually i think it's worked from both sides right so as as someone who would consume it's it's like actually this is great because I, I'm being able to do things that I might not have been able to do before because it wasn't that the opportunity wasn't necessarily there because they were doing it localized or whatever. But also, I guess, has it made people step up their online course game, so to speak, so that as a consumer, you're also getting more value out of it because actually they're putting all their energy into these online courses? 100%. I mean, to, to be honest, it's nothing crazy new. It's basically what's, what's known as blended learning. So it's a, it's a multimedia experience um, that can be done in a, in a kind of a one-to-one, one-to-small group, one-to-large group way that could um, kind of synchronous or asynchronous, um, different kinds of worksheets or assignments, um, interactive like partner exercises to kind of bigger, bigger uh, like polls or, or group work. So in the education world, it's nothing new. What's new is the fact that it's, online there's technology there's lots of great tools to bring it to another level um, community has never really been focused in traditional education because you're just kind of there on campus with your colleagues you don't think oh this is an incredible network of people so what online courses have done is really augment that um, and build on that um, and bring in like different assets and different tools so to your point like there's definitely that kind of upping the game and um, people, I think with COVID, people have got more time to kind of explore their interests, question life, question where they're living. You know, I've recently moved out of London um, to the country, an hour out in the countryside. So I'm still, I feel like kind of in London, but not in London at the same time, which is something I, I definitely would not have done had this COVID situation not happened. So totally, it's, it's an exciting time. Yeah, no, that's cool. All right, so we totally went off on a tangent. Sorry, I was very curious. <laughs> so we, um, I'm going to come back to tools in a bit, but before that, let's let's talk about kind of your journey and your experience and how you've kind of got to where you are today and all the the knowledge that you've gained along the way. So, so if we take it way back, where did your because your journey? I, I guess me when I was looking at your stuff, it didn't necessarily go the way I would have expected of someone who. Like looking at your, okay, this is terribly worded, sorry. Let me start again. Looking at your profile, I wouldn't have thought you'd started where you would have. So do you want to just uh, talk about your kind of journey right from the beginning? Um, yeah, of course, of course, thanks. So um, the journey actually started when I was 13 and I read a book that happened to be on my parents' bookshelf called Use Your Head by Tony Buzan. And it literally told you what it said on the cover um, and as someone who was always curious and liked learning um, the fact that I could kind of open the can in my head and start using it, it it just joined a lot of links for me and what it particularly enabled was creativity 
And I just started um, bringing that not only to a kind of more obvious creative output, like drawing or taking photos, um, but in my kind of work at Salas, I really started setting at school. And, um, and I found that I was very much a visual communicator. So I would, I would make a lot of artwork. And, and so for 10 years, I, I practiced as an artist. I, I went to Oxford. I was studied there as, as, a, as an academic scholar. Um, and really got to work on lots of different mediums. Um, and so the transition to the next career as a coach and a practitioner of the Grunberg Method came out of that 10-year that practice of how can I create something new every day? What does that look like? Um, and I had you know, quite an output of, of artwork over that time. Um, started early, like from 13 years old. And I really understood that actually my ability to be creative was only how I was be able to be creative within myself. So if I just thought the same each time, like I can't do this, I can't do that, or I can do this, I can do that, it's 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 like a, a kind of it's a kind of a one track way of being. So actually, the real creativity is my ability to think in multiple ways and really recognize the patterns of, of my way of being, so I can kind of choose more what I do and how I do it. Um, and it was I think the, the best example of that was I. Um, I did a series of 15 paintings and I had to um, take a step in each direction when I painted. So I had to kind of move outside my, my body and myself and every painting was completely different. So it was like very physical manifestation of we are just literally how we move, how we think, how we breathe. Uh, it was a very moving experience. And it is, again, you know, just life happens, doesn't it? So my, for some reason, I don't know why, but my, my housemates at uni, they, they bought me a lesson in reflexology, not a session, but a lesson. And my teacher happened to be ex-president of the Association of Reflexologists in the UK. And she was just like, I want you to come back. Um, my birthday's in February. I want you to come back and um, just join the class. I just think you get a lot out of, out of it. And I was kind of exploring these concepts as I shared at the time. I just thought wow, amazing, yes. Um, and I decided to study it and really saw um, if, what I've realized in reflection is that, that a common thread of transformation, that actually it's all very well conceptualizing these things, but how do you actually do it in real life? So I would work with people on a one-to-one -one basis and help them with their digestive uh, concerns or their confidence or their stress and really kind of create the, the conditions for them to optimize themselves in that way um, and reflexology it sits more in the therapy kind of camp you know I'll do something to you so that's why I trained something um, I trained the Grunberg method so that people could learn how to train themselves how to be well versus come come to see me which would be relaxing and a good reference point and a and, and good stimulant but not necessarily a way to kind of really own it for themselves um and i had a 10-year practice that uh it was called learn to be well and i worked with all kinds of people from all walks of life it was a real it was a real travel in its own right kind of being part of everyone's world um and towards the end of that 10-year practice i used technology to enable them really understand where they're at where they're getting kind of stuck in, in their habits and their ways of being. And that vastly improved their results. So I became really interested in how technology can, can enable them um, in achieving that. Um, and it didn't and it in a way that it didn't necessarily depend on me and that it could scale by itself uh, for them. 
Um, so the next kind of step in my career is working with health tech companies. I worked with two and really explored that. And firmly sitting on that side of the fence, not practicing and engaging with people and, and where they're up to, I really saw that technology isn't really the solution in a way that a lot of tech companies can position themselves. It really is very much a tool. So it's very much the adoption of the user, the adoption of the coach or the teacher um, in that tool to, to enable that, that client, that student. Um, and the opportunity came to, to work with Tiago, with David at Forte Labs, uh, to work well on the team. And, um, you know, kind of to our point at the beginning of the conversation, it's that, it's that mixture of tools, that community, the ability to work in different ways to, uh, to enable different learning styles that I've seen most successfully enables whatever change or learning someone wants to achieve. And, you know, and, and also working with journey art accomplishments, seeing that transformation happen within my particular niche space of personal development was just groundbreaking um, and, and very, very exciting. Yeah, okay. I had lots of mini questions along the way, so I'm going to try. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, that's absolutely cool. That was good. That was great. Um, so I'm going to try and remember them and go through them in order. Um, I guess my very first question, and sorry if they no longer make sense, but my very first question is, is when you were starting out and you were learning to think outside the box, so to speak. So, so for me, and I think I've mentioned this to you several times, but I am rubbish at thinking outside the box. So when you were experimenting and, and, and saying that actually, if I do this again and again, I'm only ever gonna get the same result type thing. Whereas I need to think differently to, to get something else. How do you, is that something, to me, it sounds like something that you were naturally good at, but is that something you can learn and how could you go about learning that? Yeah, I mean, you can take just like even right now. Yeah, so there's a particular way that you're breathing, for example, there's a particular way that you're sitting. And that, that might be, if you just bring your awareness to that, that might be a default way in which you breathe and sit in this kind of, you know, very live situation. So you can bring your awareness to that and actually just like let that tension go. Take a, a bigger breath. <laughs> <laughs> if you want. <laughs> There's no pause <laughs> As you were saying that, I was like, I'm sitting up and there's a lot of tension in my lower back. <laughs> I was like, oh, I just want to sit down like here. <laughs> yeah, so there you go, right? Like there's, um, there are these ways that, that feel good, that feel comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the point is, is it feels like that's the only option when it's not. So thinking out of the box isn't necessarily like, having to create something new, it can also be let, letting something go, allowing space for something else to happen. So it's really about awareness and you can do it with something as simple as your breath. You can just change the way that you breathe in a given situation. Um, and it's not something you can really force. I mean, some people, you know, for example, um, NLP, people are like, I've got this reoccurring thought, I'm going to say another reoccurring thought. That's another example of breathing in another way. It's just thinking in another way. So what I always say to people is there isn't any particular best way of doing anything. It's whatever works for you at that given time. And there are so many great tools out there for specific different things that you might need. Um, so whatever clicks with you that you enjoy, that you want to experiment with, 
um, I always use it and just and, and using it is already a big a big thing. Um, I always like to just take the breath example because it's very immediate. It's like very here and now. And if you actually, I mean, people say just take one big deep breath. Um, and that's a very well, but I think if you don't understand and experience what that is for you without needing to explain it or justify it, but just do it for yourself, your own experience, like there's going to be that curiosity which is going to drive you doing it again or doing it another way. And it doesn't always have to be a big, long, sleep, um, deep, slow breath. It can also just be a just conscious breath example okay interesting and i'm i, I yeah <laughs> okay yeah I, I i need to look into this because my my one track mind i hate it when i can't i can only think like this is like the only thing it's like clearly it's not the only answer there's other ways of thinking about things <laughs> um i need to tap into that um okay so the second thing i guess it was thinking about is is that that helping people help themselves is something that was clearly evident throughout everything that you've done and it was kind of like what we were saying the, the common threads from it all um so is that something that you were always kind of interested in or is that something like how does that come about so that's very selfless and um, I know a lot of people say that they want to help other people, but to actually to, to actually go and do it and, and, and want to help people, especially when you're like running a business or something, like how how do you approach that and how did that come about? Yeah, it's a good one. Um, I think the best way um, I found exploring that approaching that is is effectively you're expanding your learning at every given time so for me it's i wouldn't call it specifically helping people's way of describing it you can you know it could be i'm training someone i'm teaching someone or i'm standing next to someone i'm accompanying someone i'm breathing with someone um i think it's you know it's a bit like kind of you doing the podcast now like you know, I think that the best, the most progressive way of doing it is there's a there's a win-win for, for both people. And that that win could be just curiosity of what it's like for that person to breathe in a particular way. And to be able to engage with that, and for me to be able to challenge myself to do that, I've got to have a bigger awareness and a bigger training to kind of accompany that. Life. so I get better at mastering my own ability to calm myself for example and 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 I've you know I've kind of having worked in self-development space and this is something Joe talks a lot about being out of accomplishment and, and him and I would talk quite a bit about kind of offline in, in between kind of big sessions um there's got to be an intrinsic motivation for for a teacher uh, for a coach as well. Otherwise, it, it starts to get a bit weird, if you know what I mean. Um, and then it, you know, it can be a bit, you know, about the money or whatever, um, you know. And and then that way, I think for me that that integrity keep, keeps high. 
Yeah, okay, that's that's great. Because that's the worst thing is when, when someone's just in it for themselves or is is it turning out? It's like what's what's the point? <laughs> just don't be here. Yeah, okay. No, that's that's very good to hear. Um so obviously you've got a huge amount of experience uh in this kind of world and you're you're what you're doing now, I guess, we can expand on in terms of how you're bringing that to these online platforms that we're talking about and really helping people um, or working with the online providers, right, so that people can help themselves through the course. Um, just want to give a bit more information about specifics of what you're doing now. Yeah, so I guess there are, there are kind of two main things. Um, the first with my snapshot is it's creating a tool for students to measure their change, to identify their baseline, to qualify that by putting a number on it um, and describing what it's like, for example, working with Tiago and building second brain and his secondary snapshot, you know, one of the first things as part of, you know, his blueprint to building second brain is being able to capture well. Um, and, that could mean so many things. Um, and so many teachers, they don't necessarily articulate what it is they're teaching and that spectrum in which they um, have seen, for example, just capturing an article that you read in, in the New York Times online. Um, and that that's important, that specificity. And it, and it, it gives the student um, a map to navigate like where they're going in this online course as opposed to just, Here's a book, read it page by page, and you'll discover what will happen. And hopefully there won't be too many surprises. You know, you kind of want that contents page up front. You want that map. Oh, you understand where you're going. And if you can map yourself to that as well, you then know, oh, actually, I'm doing quite okay here. Oh, I need to double down on this. And that way you get the, a better kind of ROA of your time in terms of um, engaging with the course. Um, and conversely, that, that tool gives the, the, the teachers, the course creators, the ability to understand whether students need more support um, or whether they could teach something more effectively. At the moment, that's a bit of a black box. You don't really necessarily know what's going on other than anecdotal feedback. And if you've got a, a course with hundreds of people, um, there comes a point where that's not so useful. Yeah. So I guess from from a someone who's joining the course point of view um so obviously you can say hey this is a good way to measure progress but for them what what will they benefit like why would they do this and why would it be in their interest to do it properly and not just oh i'm gonna you know take two seconds and, and do the whole tick box thing well they've just you know spent a bit of money on a course <laughs> hopefully you want to get the most out of it um but yeah, jokingly aside, it's 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 really um, a way to be like, okay, that this is where I'm at with this with these subjects. Um, where where should I focus with my time? Um, and and where can I ask questions? Where can I preempt things and um, make sure I'm particularly available for those course sessions or particularly with that kind of material. Um, so it's, it's really for the, for the learner who's taking their learning seriously 
and wants to up their game and whatever it is they're focusing on. I mean, there, there would have been a pain point, otherwise they wouldn't have started the course. So it's just, okay, how can I, you know, achieve um, what, what's driving me to do this more more quickly? Yeah, no, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. And, and the whole, you need to kind of measure yourself, otherwise, what was the point? You don't know where you've started, how do you know how much benefit something's had um, by the end of it? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Kind of where, where you're starting from, and 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 what I'm working a lot with with the online course creators is, you know, depending on the scores that come, is directing people already to you want to, you know, perhaps consider looking at this. This article could be really useful for you. Um, here's a media library for all those, you know, all the topics around distilling and expressing yourself, for example. Yeah. Um, so I guess those principles can be applied to to people who are not necessarily doing online courses, right, in their own development and their own learning uh, just just in life. So if you were, so if we take the online course aspect out of it, if you wanted to learn Spanish or something, then these are things that you could kind of set up for yourself, right, and, and use those similar principles to, to aid your learning and enable you to self-coach. Yeah, so yeah, a really good example is like a kind of wheel of life exercise where you're like, what are the key areas of my life that are important to me? Um, relationships, finance, intellectual stimulation, uh, travel, fitness, health. Um, you can define those around the circle um, and check in with yourself. Um, for some people, that's on a, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis, yearly basis. Um, what's great is if you can do that with a coach, um, you can also do that with a career coach, you know, what are those key aspects that can help you achieve what you want in your career? Um, so exactly, it's, it's, if you don't measure it, you can't change it. Um, and you, and it's, it's more about the, the change versus the outcome. It's more about the process. Um, and it's that, it's that moment to stop and just reflect and, and it's never going to be perfect. It's more about that reflection kind of review that brings a lot of power and can drive the consistency that we often um, need in whatever it is that we're, we're working towards. Definitely. And I guess there's two sides to that, right? There's one of, I don't feel like I'm making much progress, but actually I don't know because I'm, I'm just, it's like when you see yourself every day, you don't really see the changes, right? So you might not think you're doing very well, but if you had this baseline that said, going into it here's actually where I am and here's what I want to achieve you might find that you're so much further along than you had anticipated and you don't need to be down on yourself hundred <laughs> percent a number of people said oh my god I can't believe that I was here and now I'm here like I like I totally forget like it's such a classic thing you just like take it for granted you're like yeah yeah whatever and it's like no oh my god like celebrate wow you know woo yeah um, <laughs> I'm definitely so, one of those people that would just be like, what do you mean? I haven't learned anything. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, like, you know, even like with your podcasts, right? <laughs> I mean, like, this is what, episode 26? Yes. Yeah, okay. So it's like, it's like, geez, you know, over like what kind of time frame and how you've turned around. So if you had done a map then of your life before you started podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been interesting. And where you are now. They, exactly <laughs> yeah. and you have no idea where you were then and what was going on for you that's a really good point because actually if I think about it I'm like 
there probably wasn't that much change between the first few episodes and this one, but I don't think that's actually really true. <laughs> I'm sure there's been a huge learning curve. But sitting here, I'm like, ah, oh, it was probably the same. Damn it, I should have mapped it. Where were you, Charlotte, six months oh, ago? Come oh. on. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. okay. So, right, I'm going down the self-development route because I can't help myself. So I am, in my head, someone who loves the idea of self-development and always being better. And with that, I think, comes pressure, um, at least pressure I put on myself if I'm talking about myself. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. Um, and when you see other people, and there's the whole comparison thing, which I realize is a whole different topic, but um, there is, I don't know, there's, 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 there, there are pressures to continually develop. And, and sometimes I question it. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is how do you know when you genuinely want to, to learn and develop versus just comparing yourself? Because 90% of the time, I think, no, actually, I do want to learn and develop and continue to grow and then sometimes I'm like but what's the point what am I doing this for and and I admittedly they're on the harder days when I just when I give up but I don't know if you have any advice or thoughts on that I'm very curious I'm very curious about the the, the way that you kind of question it it sounds like it's quite you, you ask yourself quite a lot is that is that a sense or? I very often go, what is the point, right? Because I could sit here and like, I have a nine to five, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable and there's obviously the idea. Okay, so old school thinking is you work all your life and then you retire at what, like 70 or whatever, whatever it will be by the time we get there. And then you can relax. And obviously the, the newer thinking is, actually mini retirements type things right and and learn to take those breaks I think my mind is very much in the um old school way of thinking a little still in terms of nine to five and therefore work is is still a priority but it's it's not enough so I still have my even if I you know six months ago would have still had my evenings and weekends free and I'm like oh, I want to do all these things wouldn't it be great if I didn't have a nine to five so I could do all these things and then I'm not doing it in the evenings and weekends. So I'm like, okay, well, something's not adding up here. And then I'm starting to do these things. And I'm like, well, I, now I don't have that time. So I need to work harder on this. So I don't have a nine to five. So I can find the time to do them. And I'm like, what is it that you want? <laughs> it's like, how do you get to that? They're the kind of conversations I have with myself way too regularly. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like I entered your brain there for a little bit. Yes. <laughs> In yeah, that, sorry. In that echo chamber. <laughs> uh -huh. It's not a fun place. <laughs> no, I totally get it. Uh, we all do it. And it, it's crazy, isn't it? How we have these like conversations with ourselves and we're just often like beating ourselves up, like, you know, more than anything, um, versus just kind of stopping and just surfacing and just kind of seeing what's around and, and, and celebrating or kind of checking something out. Yeah. Um, they're great questions. Um, why why are they important to you? The questions mm. or the answers? The questions. Um, I just, I hate the, the feeling that I have no direction and there's this whole not fulfilling potential that keeps eating away from me, at me. I'm just like, 
like it's just something is missing and i I'm, I'm trying to find the answer i suppose so i can i can be either be comfortable in a nine to five with evenings and weekends free or work towards something different at the moment i feel like i'm in limbo i'm stuck in the middle and i don't i'm doing a little bit of both and, and neither one has my full attention yeah i love your curiosity yeah your drive your ambition <laughs> but i can see how that can be crazy as well yeah because sometimes i feel like i don't have enough ambition or drive because i'm clearly not doing enough <laughs> <laughs> and the circle goes round again um, yeah, exactly it's a vicious circle <laughs> so i think this is the thing right and and that's um you know to come back to to my snapshot that's the thing you get so lost in your head you just lose perspective and objectivity and you forget like the here and now like how much you've got and what that is and what that looks like. Um, so they're great questions. And, and someone who's moved in different sectors of my career a lot, um, I've sometimes wanted to myself, like, am I just distracting myself or, you know, avoiding something? But um, I've actually really loved my curiosity and that's brought me to where I am today. Um, and just these incredible opportunities and the people that, that I'm working with. Um, and it's, it's just funny, I, I, I guess I've just spoken to Joe just the other week, so it's all quite fresh, but one of his, one of his lessons that he would teach is like feel over figure. Okay. To let, to let that, that feeling come through versus that kind of predominant brain approach. Um, and part of it's just like, you know, like you, but I want, you know, the answer I want to know yeah. But like sitting and knowing, uh, sitting and not knowing or wanting to know and being curious about it, um, asking questions um, and taking these different angles, you know, whether that's something like more objective or, or kind of talking to people about it, um, reading about it. I think, I think curiosity is a, is a big driver. Yeah. Okay. I, I definitely am curious. I just, it just keep going. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> it makes sense. Um, okay, cool. So, getting back to you after after my little midlife crisis on camera. Um, so, uh, going back to kind of your career and and the stuff you've done. So, I guess what you've done, like we we're saying, there there is a common thread there, but you've you've worked in a lot of different with a lot of different people and with a lot of different industries, right? So you've talked about health and fitness, um, the whole Forte Labs kind of things, but also where you started off in um, reflexology. So how have those different experiences helped with what you're doing now and, and got you to where you are? Yeah, I'd say the biggest things um, and, and what I really enjoy kind of in the consulting side whether that's kind of with my snapshot or on how to how to build, deliver and scale an online course business is the fact that I um, have worked in these different capacities. So it's not just kind of once in you know, a, a one perspective. Um, I'm, I'm very agile. I'm a bit I'm able to see something as a business, but also as a, as a true transformational experience. And how do you like bring the two along so it's a real win-win for for everyone in that, in that relationship and I think that's the, the 
the magic really that enables things to really move. And then you just kind of double down once you've got that clear of, um, you know, marketing it, delivering it, selling it, doing it again, 100%. But it's it's kind of getting to that, that magic space to be able to, to bring in those different elements. And another role that I had um, at, at the tech firm was seeing how you scale well-being and culture within an organization. So I was a people operations lead. And within, within a business, um, it's really the people that that brings it to life, that makes things happen, even within a tech business. Um, and that can really be the competitive advantage between one company and the other. Um, as well as, of course, the practical things like uh, retaining people and, and not having to overly spend on, on training because the, that retention rate is just so low. Um, and that, that history, that, that sense of story, that sense of community, that sense of culture within the company. Um, so... I enjoy um, the kind of knitting and, and combining of those different experiences and, and working with, with top top businesses um, and teachers in their, in their kind of fields to bring that excellence through um, and really create a really innovative, genuine experience for people in whatever phase of life they're in with whatever that, that they're looking to learn. Out of interest, do you have a favourite part of your job? yeah it's a good one yeah I think it's like just bringing in different perspectives you know to that point and and doing that oh my god like you know when people come to you know see that snapshot you know it's like you like oh who was I before I did this podcast yeah who am I now it's like that that sense of wonder um I yeah I guess I'm slightly addicted to that kind of other way of looking at things that are not necessarily obvious to others um, and bringing that in in that kind of visual with a snapshot or um, um, like with Ali actually uh, with with the YouTube uh, course he's he's bringing out he he was like I want to work with these people and I want to work with these people but I don't know how to combine it and I was just like yeah you can do both it's totally possible you know and kind of be able to think beyond in that way and I'm so happy like we had that conversation we were able to bring in those different tracks into the program yeah do you <laughs> this is going to be a strange question I apologize do you almost do the same thing in your head with the people you're working with as in like when you start working with them kind of almost have that base to then see how that relationship and the the plan evolves over time <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I I did not plan to have the varied career um, and organizations that I've worked with today. I I haven't planned for that. Um, and I'm very grateful and kind of curious about it. Um, I'm someone who goes into a lot of depth and a lot of breadth at the same time. Um, so it's quite it's quite it's quite um, quite an intense um, but exciting I find it a very thrilling experience um, I think what I what I'm enjoying now is I feel I've been p- kind of patient and I've just just trusted the process and it's all kind of come together I, I, uh, I think my snapshot really encapsulates all those different learnings you know from from that kind of transformation student um, kind of growth perspective to also that business 
sales, marketing, growth perspective um, in all parts of that relationship. So I'm really excited. It's, it's, it's still very early days. I'm still um, kind of uh, kind of behind the scenes with it. So I'm not totally public yet. I'm just slowly building up and working with some really great online course creators, just doing some really good work uh, and building out from there. Yeah, awesome. Um, so one of the earlier points that you mentioned um, was when we're talking about the tech is that I guess there is this misconceptional people assume that tech is the answer whereas tech like you said is more the tool right so how can people kind of separate those two and understand that they're not going to find the 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 app that fixes their life it's the system that they build around it versus this is just an enabler or something (laughs) yeah totally um i think the bottleneck is responsibility, self-responsibility, which sounds like really heavy. <laughs> um, I don't like saying it, um, but it's effectively what it is. You can you can set you know pretty up in different ways. You know, put a bit of orange around it. You know, whatever that is, highlight yeah. little stars. Make it sexy. Yeah, have some sexy lights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it really is that, um, that like self-ownership. Um, it's really quite simple, you know, with how you eat, how you learn, um, your career, your income. Um, and that's such a, a big thing. Um, but it's also like, a, it can be a light, small thing that you just kind of go step by step with. Um, so it's, yeah, go on. I saw that thought. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the second you said self-responsibility that you're right it was heavy it kind of had a a different emotional response to self-accountability or anything else it's like whoa hang on it's my responsibility are you calling me not responsible I am responsible okay <laughs> so it kind of it was a very interesting I'm just, mm. I'm just thinking it's like I don't know why it felt more not real it felt more on me like if I don't follow through then I've I've kind of failed I don't know why it felt different to accountability it just it just hit a little differently yeah perhaps self-ownership is a little bit of an in-between um that that you own it that it's that it's yours um you know accountable is synonymous with responsibility as well I actually preferred um, it when you said self-responsibility because it had that response. Because yeah, I felt it was like kind you, of yeah, <laughs> cut to the chase, raw to the bone. Basically, it's like it is your responsibility. It's up to you to change or do whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah, it's a biggie, and we we're conditioned in society to to go to someone and be sold something and be given that solution you know it's it's kind of crazy partly i think the capitalist culture we live in or this kind of communist culture that we live in and all these kind of subcultures of control and um victimhood um and 
blaming others and judging others, like all that mess that goes on that we all have at different phases, at different strokes in our lives. And um, it's really a muscle, I would say, that you that you just do a little bit step by step and people explore that in different ways. Um, so for example, as a kid, I, I played county level netball and tennis. So I would train quite a lot. And, you know, I learned how to like keep fit. I learned to not eat certain things, which seem kind of obvious. And you're a kid, so you don't really think too much about it. But then they are kind of good habits that, that I've kind of kept with me. Um, and, and at times done more of it and at times done less. So I think what's nice is it's um, it appears in our lives more ways than not. And actually, we often do do it, but we think we're not doing it because we're enjoying it. And that's kind of something else that like people think like, responsibility is like a should. It's an obligation. It's like tough. It's difficult. That's maybe because of like the way that we frame it to ourselves or the way that our parents framed it to us or the kind of community we were in, you know, not necessarily in childhood, but, you know, including like at work, you know, like the atmosphere, like with your boss and the team, for example, play a huge role into like how you get something done, how enjoyable it is or, or not. Um, so it has quite a few like different shades and colours and flavours. I think it's just... Um, it's a real like it's a real personal journey, um, actually, and we we all um, discover it and build on it in whatever ways that we are called to, uh, we need to, uh, we feel to, we are pained to. It's um, it's it's really quite a, a force of nature. You're right, actually, because you do. If you're having fun, it doesn't seem like you're you're doing work or you're it, it, it is anything. It's it's very strange. If you do something, it's like this has to hurt or this has to be uh, negative, and I have to just push through it. <laughs> I can't have fun while I'm doing it. <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah, as if like that means we're working hard, you know? Yeah. Like, just like yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Totally like, not true. Right, no pain, no gain, or something. It's like you can't have fun while you work out. You have to be dripping sweat and crawling out the gym or something. <laughs> yeah. Said who? Said yeah. who? Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, so we've talked about the whole self-coaching side of things, and I think that's that's very necessary for people, obviously, who well, maybe not if they don't want to learn stuff. Um, but, but like if they're going on that journey, then then being able to self-coach is a massive part of that. But where do you stand on, not quite where do you stand on, but obviously having um, a personal coach in different areas is also extremely beneficial. So where would you say the difference is between having or getting a personal coach for certain things versus um, going down the self-coaching route. And and it's, I know it's a bit bad because it's like, oh, what, like I could get a PT, but I could just tell myself to run kind of thing, right? So how, how do you see that? That's a great question. Um, I think, I mean, if I was kind of going to speak to what you just said up, I would just come out with questions. Um, I can share my experience, but I feel like that's very personal to me. Um, in terms of 
in terms of you, it's kind of like the sorts of questions that come to mind are like, what, what, what do you want to focus on now? Like what works for you? How much time do you have? How important it is to you? Um, do you need an engagement on a one-to-one basis? Do you need engagement um, in, a, in a kind of group basis? And is that a small group? Is that a large group? Um, what motivates you to do something? Yeah. Um, so a, a few things like that. Okay, if I'm going to answer these. So I am terrible at what I would have called self-accountability, but maybe I need to be self-responsible. Um, whereas if you'd said, this is my expectation of you, I don't want to let anyone down. For some reason, I'm turning okay letting myself down <laughs> again and again, but I can't let somebody else down. So that element of accountability. Um Going back to the way I learn, and I've, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, because I've always told myself, well, not always, but, you know, over the last few years, I've, I've kind of come to the conclusion that I'm much better on in a one-on-one environment or a small group where I'm comfortable, but ideally a one-on-one. And I've been trying to work out why this is. And the kind of reason I came to, and I'm not sure if this is true, is I just, because I was terrible at, at school, like I wasn't a bad student or anything, but I was rubbish in the classroom and it was the same at uni and I never got out of them what I should have. And I think it's a pressure in a classroom. And it's, you know, that's that, oh, nobody wants to be the one that puts their hand up or asks a stupid question. That is definitely the camp I am in. And almost I just don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't feel comfortable in those environments. So I'm definitely more of a one-on-one person. Um, someone did say to me, you just, maybe do you just like the attention? And I was like, for a long time, I was like, do I? So that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> it's like the opposite of me. So I think recently I've been thinking it's just how I learn, but I don't know if that's another cop out. Okay, so there's quite a few, quite a few things going on there. Um, let, let me spin <laughs> the back switch, make sure I've, I've got it. Um, you like kind of a focus kind of one-to-one. Um, you like to learn, but you kind of challenge and question at the same time. I definitely have questions, which I would put under the stupid question category. Yeah, um, so you're, you're, you're busy with how you look, how you come across. And not paying attention, probably. Not paying think. attention. Um, yeah, and... And I don't know if it's the introvert in me, but I'm definitely more comfortable in like these kind of situations. Got I it, got it. A big group environment. Yeah, so um, there's a lot to say then in that, like for you, that more intimate connection is really important. So whether that's like with an accountability buddy or with a coach, um, it sounds like, those are kind of your best options kind of from what from what kind of works for you um and then I guess it's just trialing it out is it is it getting you achieving kind of what you want because you feel bad if you said to someone you're going to do it and then and then you didn't um it's crazy like and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what works for you do it like it's amazing (laughs) do you know what I mean at least you're doing it rather than not um and that's something that I've always found that, you know, I've gone through phases of just uh, doing it myself. As long as I keep doing it, I'm kind of fine to 
combining that or having like coaching type phases with people, whether that be kind of professionally or kind of accountability buddies and kind of building friendships in that way. Sometimes it's been a lot about time. As you say, sometimes it's just, you know, just preference. As you say, I just like a more intimate kind of driver um, at this moment in time, but that, that could also change. Or if some people's money, they spend a lot of money on something, then they'll do it, you know, which is, which is crazy, but but man, again, like that works for them, amazing. Yes, yeah, you're right. I suppose it is just finding what works and sticking with it because at least you're doing it. Totally, consistency is key. Like that's kind of like the crux of, of anything. I mean, it's written everywhere, time and time again. But there's so many different, so many different shades of that, um, and that's what's really fun to kind of unpack. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is. I, I, I'm still thinking about self responsibility. I'm not really want to oh, really? make a difference. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just like there's a whole different way of approaching things. It's very interesting. Um, I, I really want to put that into play and see if it makes a difference. I'll definitely let you know. Do, do. <laughs> um, okay. Um, do you have any last minute advice or a message or something we might not have covered that you kind of want to get across? Which I realise is quite generic, but. <laughs> yeah. I guess at the moment, I'm just really, really enjoying diving into learning and like how to, how to optimise for that um, and where, where measuring yourself can can really enable that and and that kind of that man, that manifestation that, that those kind of those daily habits um so for anyone who's kind of on that that journey um like it's, it's such a powerful thing kind of going back to that self-responsibility again that it's all it's all come through um that that's that's just just really big and and if if you're curious about those things uh please reach out to me uh, i'd love to, to pick up that conversation and and see where that goes yeah amazing right charlotte thank you so much i've had a lot of fun and i've had a lot of fun fun speaking to you recently um and i've got a lot of stuff to put into practice <laughs> i will definitely keep you updated on so thank you i appreciate it thanks for having been fun awesome hey guys me again just want to say thanks so much for listening to this episode of creators campfire you can stay up to date with any podcast-related news by following at JustBarves on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. Otherwise, I'll be back next week, same time, same place, with a different guest. Be well, be kind, stay safe and stay curious. Bye guys!